We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Listen, um, uh, many people who know me know that I love three types of cuisine uh, more than any other. I love Ethiopian food, I love Thai food, and I love Indian food. Uh, and then I love anything that my wife or my mom makes, pretty much. If it's homemade, I'm probably going to love it. But I love Ethiopian food. I, and, and the thing about Ethiopian food is that I didn't start out in life loving Ethiopian food. As a matter of fact, when my friend Chris Bryant first invited me to go to an Ethiopian restaurant, I thought he was joking. I thought he was joking. I literally, and this is not to be, you know, um, uh, uh, discriminating or anything like that. But I, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, I said, you want me to go to an Ethiopian restaurant, but didn't we do a whole hunger campaign in the 80s because there was no food there? Now you want to take me there? You know, like, like I was so biased. I had never experienced it. But he says, you have to try Ethiopian food. So um, uh, we drove to this Ethiopian restaurant in, in Tempe, Arizona. And the first time I ate it, I hated it. And then I would lose bets or out here, like, you know, convince me to go try again. And it was probably the eighth time of me going to have Ethiopian food that that thing just did something in my body. I was like, this is the food of heaven. This is what God is prepared. When, when the Bible talks about a place where he's preparing a table for you, it's going to be Ethiopian food. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, I love that food. I love Thai food. I didn't grow up loving Thai food because I, I didn't grow up in a Thai, rest, a thai um, a household. I just, we ate what we ate. We were accustomed to what we ate. And, and so when someone says, let's go get some Thai food, I was like, I don't know any Thai people. What kind of food do they eat? Is it spicy? Is it, is it, am I going to like it? Is it some weird uh, noodle or something? You know, I just had no concept to it. I was only accustomed to what I was accustomed to. And then one day someone says, let's go try Indian food. Now, now like with, with Indian food, I, I did grow up around um, some friends who were, who were of Indian descent. And so I was kind of familiar with curry. But I was like, I don't want to try something that's going to burn my mouth off. <laughs> but somewhere along the way, after I tried it, I ended up liking it, loving it, craving it. Having an appetite for it. If I go too long without any Indian food or with too long without any uh, Thai food or too, without any Ethiopian food, my, my, I, start, I get antsy. I'm like, I have to get this in my, in my body like real soon because I need this stuff. It's, it's amazing. And here's the thing about it. it, it today's message is about uh, an appetite for wholeness. Mm-hmm. Having an appetite for wholeness. Here's the thing about it. Sometimes... You can't have an appetite for that which you've never tasted. You can't have an appetite for that which you've never tasted. And so I want to read uh, the passage to you in Acts chapter 3. Today I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those that were entering the temple. Now, this is something that is very routine. Um, uh, it, is, it is part of the religion of the day. The Jews go up to the temple at the ninth hour. It is the hour of prayer. That's when they go to pray. It's what they're accustomed to. And so they're going up there, and, and, and Peter and, and, and John are doing it as well because this is the early church. The early church is still, um, uh, still holding on to some Jewish tradition. 
still culturally experiencing the early phase of Christianity as Jews. The Gentiles have not yet entered in. It's still a very Jewish um, uh, sect, if you will. And so they're going up this to the hour of prayer into the temple, and this they see this man who's been lame, and the way he describes that he's been lame from his mother's womb being carried along, right? Verse 3 says, when Peter and John, uh, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. Look at us. Now, Now I won't get into the significance of this, but, but generally speaking, if you've ever uh, given someone who was homeless or someone who was begging you um, uh, some charity or a handout, whatever it is, chances are they, they, they didn't necessarily look you in the eyes. There's a little bit of shame that's there. There's a little bit of a, uh, they're not wanting to make that connection. And, and Peter and John are like, look at us. They fix their gaze on him. Verse 5 says, and he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Expecting to receive something from them. He had an expectation that he would receive something from them. <laughs> oh man, we're going to talk about expectation in, in a few minutes here. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. I'll pick up the rest of this next week. Join me next week. We're going to pick up the rest of the story next week. But today, I'm just going to park right there. He says, I don't possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Get up. Get up from your condition. Here's the thing. We have a beautiful gate and a man who's in an ugly situation. We have a beautiful gate and a man who's in a broke down, busted, disgusted situation. Uh, the, the, the gate is called beautiful. That was the nickname that they, they gave it. It was actually the, the, uh, the, the Nicanor Gate. Uh, it was named after the Greek donor, the Alexandrian, uh, Alexandrian uh, donor who, who, who gave towards this gate. Uh, it was the largest gate uh, in the temple structure, and uh, it took about 15 steps to get to it, and uh, they'll, they'll carry this man 15, 15 steps, carrying this grown man and laying, them, laying him there. Now, the, the gate itself would go into the, was in the women's uh, court. The women's court was the only court where women were allowed to be, women who could not enter the temple, lame, blind, broken people who could not enter the temple. Sometimes Gentiles could, could come into this area, but they could not enter the temple, enter the place where forgiveness was, enter the place where they could access God, enter the place where, where purpose could be found. They could only come to the gate. They could get close enough, but never get in. All right? The law restricted that women and, and, and broken people could not pass this place. The beggar is not given a name. You only know, he's only known by his condition. We see that in, in scripture from time to time. There's the blind man, the, the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, for ages and ages, we, we don't know who these people were, but, but God knows their name. 
He knows their name. He, 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 he calls them out of their condition, but, but we only can see people and judge people by their condition, and he's known by his condition. He's, he's a beggar. He's not given a name. We only know him by his situation. And his daily economy consisted of being carried 15 steps, carried and laid along by this gate. From infancy, it says. It says from his mother's womb, he was broken. From his mother's womb. This was a congenital uh, disease that he had. It wasn't that. Now, it's one thing to have walked before. It's one thing to have had use of your limbs before. He never knew what it was to walk. He never had an appetite for wholesome. He couldn't work. He couldn't sell things. He, there were no disability payments back then. There was no uh, government bailout for him. There was not even a wheelchair for him to sit in. He just laid at the gate. Here's a man trying to make good out of a bad situation. Trying to make the best out of a horrible situation. Here's the thing. When you don't know what it's like to be whole, you never have an appetite for things that are whole. He has an expectation that he would receive something from Peter and John. But his expectation is a low-level expectation, but not an expectation of wholeness. It's an expectation to receive something that will just get him day to day, but it's not an expectation for something that will restore him and fully make him whole. I love Ethiopian food, but once upon a time I didn't crave it because I had never tried it. I love Thai food, but once upon a time, I didn't crave it. I didn't have an appetite for it because I had never had it. Once upon a time, there were things that you, that you um, uh, didn't crave because you, you didn't know it. Um, if all you've ever known is domestic violence, you can't crave anything better. If all that you've known is, is poverty, you, you don't have an appetite for, 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 for anything beyond your situation. If, if you've never had a good relationship, you don't have an appetite or an understanding of what a good relationship looks like. Right. And so you pick someone who's mean because nice guys are boring. You pick someone who, who, who brings you down, breaks you down, who builds you up just enough so they can push you back down because you don't know what a healthy way of communication looks like. Someone who can build you up. All you've known is brokenness. And so your expectation is a low-level expectation. You want what is normal. What was normal to this man was daily, some guys would come pick him up from where he slept and lay him down at the steps of the gate. And he would lay there and he would beg and beg and beg. And the next day, he would come, up, he would come pick him up Climb 15 steps, lay him there, and he would beg. And, and the next day, they'll come pick him up again and lay him there, and he would beg again and, and, and take him home. And, and the next day, they'll come and lay him at the gate, and he'll beg. And, he, and, and, and that was, you know, you know, the thing about it is this, is that when you don't expect anything to change in your life, you forget what day it is. The days just seem to be the same. There's nothing more that you're looking forward to. This is how it's been 
From, ever, from the moment that he could, he could question, that he could ask, that he, he could speak, he learned the language of a beggar. He never learned the language of a victor. He only knew the language of alms for the poor. This was his economy. And so you only become attracted to what you're exposed to. <laughs> My people, I want to help somebody today. You want, and you only have an appetite for what is normal to your circumstance, to the economy that you've built around you. And you wonder why you keep getting the same stuff in life, because that's what you have an appetite for. Mm -hmm. That's good. If you've been broke all your life, you have an appetite for it. Insecure all your life, that's, what you're, that's, that's normal. Angry all your life, Hurt all your life. This man has been lame all his life. It becomes normal to be broken. And my question to you is this. Has your brokenness become your baseline? Has your brokenness become your baseline? Have you built a, a routine around what restricts you? Has your brokenness become your baseline? We build an economy and a culture around the things that we believe we can't change. Let me say that again. We build an economy and a culture around the things that we believe that we cannot change. Daily, they laid him at the gate. He didn't expect to walk that day. When he saw Peter and John walking into the temple, he didn't expect that there would be a change that would come over his life. All he expected was, give me something, and tomorrow at the ninth hour, if you come back around, I'll ask you again. Now, it's very important that we note that culturally and religiously for the Jews, it was esteemed that they helped. The, the poor, they helped the broken and the lame. And so it wasn't that the people felt bad to give to, to the poor, to give to the broken. No, it, it, it was just a, it's one of those things that, that the religion um, uh, kept going. Uh, oh man, I, I wish I had more time to, to, to unpack that. Uh, you know, have you, have you ever been in a spot in your life where, where every day you, you end up at the same spot? Have you ever been in a place where, where every day, uh, no matter if you take a different route, you end up at the same, same destination? Uh, you, you, you leave one job and get another job, but you end up in the same spot. You move to a different city, but you end up in the same ghetto, Hello, the same neighborhood, the same cul-de-sac. The same spot. You can go to a different state, a different country, and end up in a different, in the same spot. Uh, you, you switch boyfriends or girlfriends, and you end up with the same dude. Come on, somebody. The same spot. Different school, same spot. You had a Ray Ray and a Bubba at that elementary school. You go to another, you go to a private school, and guess what? Ray Ray and Bubba are right there, keeping you down, holding you down, uh, uh, speaking negativity, and you doing the... Different place, same spot. Every day becomes the same as the day before. Why, why should you prepare when you know what your routine's going to be? Why should you think differently 
when you know what the routines, when you know that you're just going to end up in the same spot. And, and so your, your, your mind starts creating these, these, these beliefs and these constructs and these mechanisms that only get you back to the same spot. You become cynical. Yeah, I know there's a great opportunity, but only bad things happen to me. You start expecting the same results. No challenge in life. Daily, he ends up at the same spot. Beautiful gate, ugly problem. Ugly problem in a beautiful place. Pretty on the outside. Ugly secret on the inside. No change. Just the same old routine. The thing about the gate this beautiful gate is that this gate was a gate, a doorway to access. It was access. <laughs> this man is laid at the gate, but he can't enter. He can't, uh, 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 he can get to almost, but never get to enough. Good. Help me out, somebody. Good. I, I wonder if I have any people who are tired of, of getting to almost there. Working so hard, getting, getting close, but, but there's getting to the gate, ending up at the same spot. Almost got delivered. Almost got the job. Almost got the promotion. Almost got free. Almost got there, but never got in. Uh, he, he's <laughs> everyone, everyone else is, is going through. Everyone else is, is getting in. Now, now, here's the thing about it. I, I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. But, but I, would, I would be frustrated if people who were just like me, people who had the same capacity and, and, and belief system and, and background as me could, could get in and I'd watch them get in, I would get tired of watching them get in and I just lay there, I get almost there, but I watch them walk in, watch them get access, watch them find purpose, watch them experience joy, but I just get near enough. I wonder if there's some people out there who are tired of being at the same spot. And see, the thing is this, is that when you start living a life where you see others entering in to their purpose, stepping into their destiny, stepping into their, into their calling, and, and, and they get in and, and they, they build families and they they find win, uh, uh, wholesome relationships and they they have joy and and they're experiencing the fullness of God in their life and, and you are always just getting close enough but never getting in you start feeling and believing that you are cursed you start believing that you're cursed that you you're you're, you're never going to amount to anything because that's just how things work out for you you're not like those people that 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 God blesses you're just one of those people that God's called to suffer you're just one of those people that, that you're just going to be, be broke, busted, disgusted, and that this is, this is going to be your life because that's how it is. That's how God has, has ordered the universes. There's going to be some people who are stuck here and some people who are overcomers, but your life, and you don't say it out loud, you don't, you don't, but you think it. You think it, and it informs your subconscious, and it, it, it speaks to your spirit, and you, you never break out of these, these mechanisms and these constructs and these mental prisons that you create for yourself. Because you believe that you're operating and living under a curse. Mm, that's good. Maybe it's not for me. 
maybe having kids is not for me because I'm, I'm not going to be a good mom. My mom was not good. I, I don't know what it's like to, to actually be in a relationship where, where he treats you good. I, I, you know what? I, I'm tired of women because all women are the same. They, they, they are, they're after your money. They're after this. They're, 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 they, they, they do this and then they leave you and high and dry. And, and here you are on to the next one. You start feeling as if those cycles are just the same old cycles. And here's what happens. You begin, <laughs> because here, here's what happens. Let, let's, let's be really real. There's two economies taking place here. There are people who are entering in and there are people who are laying and stuck on the outside. And the people who are stuck on the outside start creating group think. Pastor Muta talked about the pool of Bethesda. At that pool, there were other people trying to do the same thing. And they start thinking, believing, and informing each other's futures around the same prison walls. That's so good. It's not for me to be married. It's, it's funny to me how, how many people. You know, they say, show me your friends, I'll show you your bank account. Uh, birds of a feather often flock together. I think that's found in the book of First or Second Filipinos, chapter 2. I don't know. I'm not supposed to be a manager. I'm just supposed to be a worker. I'm not supposed to be a person who has a degree. I'm just supposed to be a person who starts school, then drops out again because life circumstances get in the way. I'm not supposed to be successful in business. I'm not supposed to be experiencing everything that God has promised in the word because, because I'm not like those blessed people. And you start making excuses as to why you can never get in yourself. And your excuses Comfort your incapacity. Your excuses comfort your incapacity. When you see others winning, you comfort yourself with excuses. Well, I'm not like them because they don't know my background. They don't. They never experienced it the way I experienced it. They never had to. They never had to live a life uh, in a dark-skinned body like mine. They don't know what it's like. Um, I, I, my mama gave me these hips. They don't know what it's like to, to walk around in these hips. Hello, somebody. I don't come from that family that, that had a father who had a degree and his grandfather had degrees. And, and so it's, it's harder for me. And, you, and so you, your, your excuses start to comfort your brokenness. And then you get around other people who have the same excuses. And because they think the same way, guess what? It must be true. And you never step out of that one economy and that one culture to experience an economy and a culture of freedom. You don't want kids because you grew up in a dysfunctional home. You don't want a husband because all men cheat. And happy, being happy, becomes unusual. But I want to ask you a question. I want to know if there's any people here who want to walk past that gate. Who, who want to move past ugly situations and enter into that gate. 
Oh, we're going to talk about some stuff next week. It's going to be really, really cool. You want to you definitely tune in. I, I, I want to know if there's any one of you who are ready to, to step out of that, that place of, of being stuck, ending up at the same spot, and start actually walking into the things that God has called you into. You may be used to sympathy being poured into your cup, but never have experienced compassion. Here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens, my friends. Um, uh, the routine that this man was used to is related to religion. Routine is related to religion. Religion has been going in and out, entering the, the gate and coming back out. Religion has been going in and out, throwing coins at your disability and your restriction, but never bringing you any change. Hello, somebody. Walking in and out, putting coins into your cup, but never pouring in any compassion that can bring you any change. And here comes relationship walking in. Peter and John are walking in. Peter and John are, are, are going up to this place of religion. And now here's, here's the thing that's significant about, about Peter and John, why I want to call them relationship. Because every time that Jesus is going somewhere and having a deep, um, intimate conversation with his disciples, guess who shows up? Peter, James, and John. Those three were his, his closest friends. His, he had the deepest relationship with those three. And so I don't know where James was. I don't, it, it doesn't tell us that Thomas and Bartholomew walked in. It says relationship. The guys who knew and understood the relationship are walking in, in a place where religion is going in and out, but not producing change, relationship shows up. Intimacy walks in. Religion will let you sit there, but relationship brings about change. Relationship walks in. So Peter and, Peter and John says in, in verse 4, it says, Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. Look at us. Perhaps in all his years of begging, nobody has asked him to look at them. They've just simply dropped in a coin or two. The, the, text says, the text says, and he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive from them. Expecting to receive from them. Not expecting to receive healing. Expecting to receive something that was just going to get by. Expecting to receive sympathy. Not compassion. I don't have time to get into sympathy today, but sympathy is a tool of the, is a tool of the enemy. We'll unpack that another time. But sympathy never changes anything. Jesus never operated out of sympathy. He never did. He says that he had compassion on the people and therefore he healed them. He had compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Over and over again, he had compassion on the widow. He had compassion on people. Sympathy simply serves someone at the same situation that they're in, but never changes their situation. Mm, you, may be, you may be used to sympathy in your cup, but relationship has taught me compassion. And so Peter says to him, he says, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. Silver and gold have I none. It, what, what he's really saying is this. He's saying, I'm going to give you something that's beyond your expectation. Mm. 
and I want to go ahead and dispel a myth here because some people are going to use this verse and say, see, Peter and John, they didn't have any silver or gold to give the man. The very fact that they're going to the temple at the hour of prayer, they had to walk into that temple with an offering. They had means. They weren't broke. They were just saying, I'm not going to serve you at your low level of expectation. I'm not going to give you something that's, that's material because I, 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 told, I told some folks earlier, I told them that most Christians only expect from God from a very low level expectation level. Because most Christians aren't Christians, they're stuffologists. They want stuff, stuff, little stuff. And, and when they can get the little stuff, they say, oh, God is good. He filled my cup today. God is not interested in serving you in something that gets you to the same spot. God wants to give you compassion so he can restore you, heal you, and, and bring you up and raise you up so that you can never be at a place where you get near and never enter in. He wants you to experience the wholeness. So Peter and John are like silver and gold. Have we none? It's not about them being broke. It's about them operating in a different dimension. It's not about silver and gold. It's about another dimension. It's about healing. It's, about, it's not about your expectations. It's what, what God wants to do in and through you. It's got to have something bigger than material wealth, the material that I can give you. I have something bigger than, than earthly currency. I want to give you the currency of heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Get up from that situation that has left you broken since your birth. They didn't pray for him. They didn't ask God to do anything. They, they, they didn't. Come up to him and say, oh, well, let's just go to the Father and see if he wants to change your situation. If it be his will. <laughs> they declared in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Get up. They spoke and they declared to his condition. Why, why don't we do this? Nowadays, what's, what's our what's our problem? Why, why, why are we afraid to declare and to speak to our situations, to speak to our condition, to speak to our brokenness, to 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 um, uh, uh, declare things over things that have been routine and restriction and religion and just over and over in life? This has been the same thing, the same cycle. Why is it that we never declare to those things? Could it be that we're afraid of saying, what if it what if it doesn't work? What, what if what if? What if they know that I've been praying about this? <laughs> Do you have prayers that you're afraid to tell people that you've been praying for? Mm. You won't declare it because you're afraid that it may not come to pass. What if it doesn't work? In the name of Jesus, Christ, the Nazarene, walk a man who's never experienced wholeness gets up he gets up we'll, we'll get into those next verses next week but, but I want you to understand something you and I 
are this man. The Bible declares to us that we were born and shaped in our iniquity from our mother's womb. You and I are this man who are born with a congenital defect. No matter how beautiful you are, no matter how perfect you were when you came out of your mother's womb, you, you came out in a broken condition. And perhaps in that brokenness, you sought after religion. Sought after religion to, to get you close to the gate. But you're stuck in an ugly situation that kept you at the same spot. But one day Jesus came and he says, I don't want to give you religion. I want to give you relationship. And relationship changed everything. In your brokenness, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you were able to get up and get out of that broken place and experience the fullness of God. You and I, those of us who call ourselves Christians, who follow Jesus, are that man. And if you've never experienced Jesus Christ today, I want to exchange your religion that's been going in and out of your life. Pouring a little sympathy in your cup but not producing any change. And I want to introduce you to relationships. Jesus Christ, who had been uh, resurrected from the dead probably two years after this event that's, that we've been uh, discussing this on today, he came and he lived a life where he had relationship with his followers. He came to be Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us, not God above us, over us, far away from us, God with us. He came and he tabernacled with his people. He broke bread. As a matter of fact, the thing that we do to remind ourselves of what he's done is communion. We come together. Relationship. I want to invite you to relationship. I want to invite you to a place where when God enters into your heart in relationship, starts opening you up to appetites and cravings for things you've never tasted before. All you've ever known was brokenness. All you've ever known was people who cheated you, who maimed you, who you thought you could trust, but they went against you. again for joining us on the relevant church podcast if this message has been impactful to you let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc if god is impacting your life through this ministry join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc
Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.